you. Amen. I'm thankful for the blood. Look in Mark chapter number five with me this morning. Mark chapter number five. Thank you, Miss Jenny, for singing that song, one of my favorites. And it's a, it's a hard one. That's why I didn't sing it. And that's why I asked her to sing it. And, uh, but I appreciate her singing that song. And what a message in that song. I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus, that it still has power today. It's got the same amount of power today that it had the day that he shed it on Calvary's cross. It hadn't run out. I'm glad, I'm glad the Bible... Just run off and chase a rabbit for a minute. I'm glad the Bible doesn't teach a limited atonement, aren't you? I'm glad the Bible doesn't say that only a certain amount can get saved and that there's only enough power in the blood and there's only enough blood for a few people, but I'm glad it teaches it's for everybody, for all sinners, for all kinds and for all types to come and plunge under and get cleansed by that precious blood. In Mark chapter number 5 is where I invite your attention to this morning. I'm going to read to you more of a a lengthy portion than what I would normally do, but while you're finding your place there, I, I heard somebody tell this story the other day, and it just really it caught my attention when they told it. They told of a Sunday school teacher that was teaching her kids about the forgiveness of sins, and boy, she was just really emphasizing how the Lord could forgive any sin, and the greatest of sin, and all of these things, that there were no limits to the amount of sin that God could forgive, and I mean, she was hitting every point and she asked her class, she said, but what do we need to do before God can forgive us of our sin? And one little boy raised his hand in the back and said, well, we got to go out and sin. And uh, I think that's where a lot of us are, is we want the forgiveness, but we feel like i got to go out and do those things. And, and here's the thing about it, we all sin, don't we? There's nobody here that needs to leave this place and go sin because you came here as a sinner today. You came here with sin in your life. You came here with issues in your life. Every person, whether you're old or young, or whether you have experience or no experience, or whether you're rich or poor, you have sin in your life, you have issues in your life, and I am here to tell you one simple truth, that is that Jesus can forgive you of those sins. That He can cleanse you of all of the sins that you have ever committed in your life. And here in Mark chapter 5, the power and the ability of Jesus is put on full display. In verse number 1 it said, They came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when He was come out of the ship, immediately there met Him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him, and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus? Thou Son of the Most High God, I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And the spirit responded, said, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. And now there was nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. And they were about two thousand and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see Him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in His right mind, and they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. 
And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not and said, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. And when Jesus was passed over again by the ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogues, Jairus, by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, If I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, and turned him about in the press, and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and thou sayest, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him, and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith had made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. And I want you to skip down to verse number 40, 40 and 41. In verse number 40, they came and they said, The damsel is dead. And Jesus told them, No, she's not. Well, they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entereth in where the damsel was lying and he took her by the hand, and he said unto her, Talitha Kami, which is to be interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, Arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years, and they were astonished with great astonishment. He said, boy, there's a lot there. I'm not going to preach all of it to you this morning. But as I look at these stories and I look at what's going on, the first encounter that we see is a man that is possessed with the devil. I mean, this man is out of his mind. This man is out of control. This man is running around without clothes. He is in the mountains and in the tombs. He's screaming and causing a great scene. He's cutting himself with rocks. I mean, they've bound him with chains and he's able to break out of that which they have tied him with. There's nothing that society can do for this man. There is nothing that the culture could do for this man. There was nothing that the religious elitists of that day could do for this man. They had done all that they could, yet he was still possessed, he was still out of control, and he was still a danger to society. Some might even say of this man that he was crazy, that he had lost his, his thinking, that he was out out of his mind. Would you agree with me this morning that there are many people in our world today that are uncontrolled, that are possessed of the devil, that are doing things that society, that culture, and that religion cannot manage or maintain. It is beyond our power. It is beyond our ability to do anything for them. But you know the good news is when Jesus showed up, when Jesus walked in the near vicinity of where that man was at, that when 
Jesus came to him, that the great issue that he had was dealt with in just one moment, in just one instance, what society could never do for that man, Jesus was able to do. And the man that wouldn't get dressed was sitting with clothes on. And the man that couldn't help but be crazy was sitting like a normal person. The man that was cutting himself and hollering and screaming was wanting to follow Jesus wherever Jesus went. And Jesus said, go tell everybody. And the man that couldn't do anything but cause a great scene for himself went back to his home city and began to publish all that Jesus had done for him. The man that had issues beyond what others could do for him, Jesus was able to handle. And then you move on to the next event. Jesus goes back to the other side. And when He goes to the other side, He's met by a ruler of the synagogue. He's met by a person that's dealing with pain like nobody wants to deal with. He's got a 12-year-old daughter that is dying and there's nothing that He can do about it. She is sick to the point where the doctors don't have the answers. She is sick to the point where there is no medicine that's going to reverse what she is dealing with. And the man that we're talking about is not a poor beggar that's living under a bridge. We're talking about a man of resources. We're talking about a man that has respect from his brethren. You're talking about a man that had religion all the way around. And this man was not able to do anything for the issue that his daughter was dealing with. And so what does he do? He runs to Jesus and he falls down and he begs Jesus, come to my house and heal my daughter. We read at the end of that verse, people came, or the end of that chapter, they came and they said, listen, don't trouble the Master anymore. Your daughter's dead. There's nothing else that can be done. Don't you like when people say there's nothing else that can be done? I like when people say there's nothing else that can be done. I believe that sets up a platform to God to show up and show them that when man can't do anything, God can still do something. And Jesus showed up in that scene and He said, you know what? If you don't believe anything can be done, then how about you just exit the house, alright? And so Jesus goes in there into this damsel that everybody else has said is dead. And Jesus tells her to get up. And just like any old 12 year old, she got up like nothing was wrong with her. It was an issue that no doctor, no medicine, no money, nothing could fix. But when Jesus showed up in an instant, in a moment, it was all solved. And the issue that was too great for man was not too great for Jesus in that moment. But on the way, while Jesus was traveling to that house, we read of the encounter. There was a woman that the Bible said had an issue of blood. And she saw Jesus and she just knew that if I could touch his clothes that I could be made whole. And this woman goes out into the, to the crowd of people that are following Jesus and she grabs a hold, not of the sleeve. She doesn't get a big handful of the, 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 the part of his jacket, but what she gets is just the hem of that garment just barely makes it to touch what he's wearing. And in an instant, immediately, she is made whole of the issue that she had for 12 years that she could do nothing about. And she Jesus in that one moment did for her what nobody else could do for her. He said, boy, those are some great stories. I have one question for you this morning. My question is not, do you have any issues? Because I already know the answer to that. You have issues. Everybody here has issues, don't we? We have struggles. We have issues. We have sin. We're all in the same boat there. The second question, or the question I'm not going to ask you is, what are your issues? There's a whole list of them, aren't there? I'm sure in this room today, somebody's dealing with depression. 
and somebody has thoughts of doing things to themselves that they shouldn't do, and you say, man, we're all missionary Baptists. We would never think anything like that, all right? We're, we're saved, and we know the Lord, and we would never think of anything. We like to think that people would never think about that, but people are thinking about it all the time, okay? All around us, people are struggling with those very thoughts of, is life even worth living? People are battling depression and anxiety. Some of you have sinful habits that you can't seem to break, and, and you want to be a better dad, and you want to be a better husband, and you want to be a better mother, and a better wife, but it just seems that there is some struggle that you can't overcome. Listen, you don't have to tell me what that struggle is because here's the thing. The Holy Spirit has probably already told you what it is. You don't have to tell me and I'm not here to guess what your struggle is because if you're listening to the Spirit this morning, I'm sure He has already brought it to your attention what you are struggling with and what you need to do. Here's the question I want to ask you this morning. What are you going to do with that issue? What are you going to do with that issue? You, we know you got them. You know I got them. And you may not know what they are, and I may not know what all of yours are, but we know that everybody in this room is a sinner and we're tainted by sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none that seek after God. There are none that are righteous. No, not one in this entire room. There's not one righteous person. There's people that are full of issues and sin. The problem, the question, what are we going to do? with those issues. When we read this text, here's what we find. They brought them to Jesus. They brought them to Jesus without concern of anybody else or anything. Can you imagine this ruler that has money and that has respect and has all of this and he sees Jesus and he just runs to Him and he falls down at the feet of Jesus. The very man that his his amigos, his compadres, his friends, they want to kill Jesus. But this man, he's falling down at His feet. Because he realizes there's nothing else that can be done. And he falls at the feet of Jesus. The woman with the issue of blood runs and grabs a hold to that hem of his garment. I mean, they're they're bringing their concerns to Jesus. But you know how sad it is this morning that the majority of people, not just in this place, but it seems all around, the majority of people will walk into church with issues. Let me tell you that. The majority of people will walk into the presence of God, not just the building, it's not about the place, will walk into the presence of God with issues and struggles and burdens and cares and concerns and sins. And you know how they'll leave? The exact way that they came in. They will walk out of the presence of God the very way that they walked into the presence of God. And from my observation, it seems that there are three main things that keep people from giving God what they're going through and, and falling at His feet like we read in this story. And the first is self-righteousness. How many people show up and, and they believe and they've convinced themselves, we have no sin, Brother Bobby. I, it's not me. You sit and you listen to me preach and you know what comes to your mind right away is I wish so-and-so was here because they needed that message. And I wish so-and-so would have heard that or, or I, boy, I sure hope brother, brother so-and-so in the back is listening because they need this. They're the ones with the issues. Can I tell you this morning, you're the one with the issue, alright? Nathan showed up to David and said, David, thou art the man. It's you. You're the sinner. You're the one who has the issue. You're the one who needs to deal with it. Friend, it's not everybody else around you. It's you and it's me that has an issue. Don't let the self-righteousness that you have created in your heart keep you from taking your burdens to the Lord. You say, well, preacher, I don't have any burdens. Preacher, I don't have any issues. Preacher, I don't struggle with anything. You struggle with lying if you think that this morning, alright? Because the Bible says if anybody says they have no sin, they are a liar. And the truth is not in them. You see, self-righteousness oftentimes keeps us from falling at the feet of Jesus and casting our cares. The second thing that seems to keep people from doing this is pride. 
Nobody likes to be a charity case. Nobody likes to be a spectacle. Nobody likes for everybody else to see what's going on in their life. Nobody else wants to be vulnerable. Nobody else wants to, nobody wants to open up and say, man, I've got this going on. Or nobody wants others to look at them and say, man, I wonder what's going on in their life. They're up there praying again or whatever it may be. We have all of these concerns. We have all these thoughts that come. And we don't want anybody to think less of us. We don't want anybody to think that we don't have it all together. They just spoil alert. All right, you don't have it all together and neither do I. All right, don't leave that up to anybody else's speculation. We don't have it all together. We're a flawed people. We're a sinful people. But how many times have we allowed pride to keep us from falling at the feet of Jesus and begging for His help? I like when you read through these stories because you read of two, two people mainly that had all the reason in the world to avoid the public eye. This man that was a ruler of the synagogue, he had all the reason in the world to not be seen begging at the feet of somebody else. He was a ruler. He was a man of respect. They didn't want anybody to see him down there, vulnerable, opening up, act, you know, showing to the world that, hey, I need help. Now maybe he'll do this discreetly. Maybe he wouldn't want to do that anywhere else. But listen, at this point, he didn't care what anybody else thought. He didn't care what others were going to say about him. There was an issue at hand and there was only one person that could handle the issue and it was Jesus. And so he put aside all of the thoughts of people. How many people have come to church or have come into the presence of God and been so worried about what everybody else was going to think about them or say about them that they sat there and quenched the Spirit of God because they didn't want the opinions of other people. Can I tell you, I hadn't been in it real long, but I've been in it long enough to know this. People are going to talk about you one way or the other. You might as well give them something good to talk about you, alright? You might. I'd rather somebody say, that dude prays too much, that guy's at the feet of Jesus too much, he's at the, whatever it may be, he shouts, he sings, he does this. I'd rather them say that than whatever it is that they're going to make up about you in many ways. We ought not be concerned with the thoughts and the opinions of everybody else to allow pride to ruin in that in our life, how many families and how many churches and how many testimonies have been destroyed all because of our own pride and we wouldn't fall at the feet of Jesus and give, I can handle it myself. I can do it my own. I got this and I got that and I don't need anybody else's help. You can live the rest of your life thinking that, but one day you're going to turn back and you're going to have great regrets that you tried to handle it all by yourself and wouldn't give it to Jesus. Self-righteousness, pride, and then the third that seems to stop people from bringing their issues to Jesus is their own selfishness. You know what people are afraid of sometimes? If I bring this to the Lord, you know what He's going to require of me? He's going to want commitment. And He's going to want surrender. And I would rather tote my own burdens than have to surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ and give my life to Him. I know that if I bring it to Him, He's able and He can do all of that, but I'm afraid that if I do that, it's going to require too much of me. It's going to require too much commitment of me. It's going to be too much on my part. And so you know what we do? We go through life toting all of our burdens because we're afraid if we give it to Jesus. It'd be alright if Jesus would fix it and give our life back to us and just let us do it our way. But we realize that we have, we have a deal we have to keep. We realize there's commitment on the other end and so we walk out. I'm just not ready to give that. You remember when the person said, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. I'll follow you anywhere that you want to go. And you remember what Jesus told him? He said, listen, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another came to him and said, Lord, I'm going to go with you right now, okay? But first, let me go back and do something with my parents first. And Jesus said, listen, let the dead bury their dead. It required way more commitment than what they were willing to put forth. And so therefore, they did not follow Jesus. And how many have showed up and had issues? And they said, man, I want him to fix them, but I'm just not ready to commit. I'm not ready to surrender. And when you're not ready to surrender to the Lord, you oftentimes withhold yourself from experiencing what God can do with your issues. These people were surrendering it all. 
You say, well, what compelled them to do that? What compelled them to give their issues to Jesus? That's what I want to encourage you to do this morning. What, what, what made them want to do that? Let me just give you a few reasons and I'll, I'll be done and we'll close out. Number one, they realized that nothing else could do it. They, 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 they came to this point in their life and she said, I've been sick for 12 years and I've spent the last dollar that I've had and I've tried every medication and I've tried every doctor and I've tried every solution and they all came up short and they came to this conclusion, nothing will fix the issue that I have going on. Jerry has had the resources, he had all of that, but he came to this conclusion, nothing will fix what I have going on before we'll ever go to Jesus, we have to first come to this realization. The world does not offer the solution to my issue that I have. It's all oh, the world's got it. We're, hey, people are, people are trying to drink their problems away, smoke their problems away, sleep their problems away, work their problems away. Whatever it is, they'll try every option that there is out there and trying to get rid of it. And you may get rid of it for a little bit, but you're not going to get rid of it forever. But I encourage you this morning, there is one. There is one, there's one solution, there's one person that's able to offer to you what the world cannot offer to you. And is able to give to you what the world cannot give to you. But we must first come to the... I can preach it all day. And I can tell you about it all day. But you have to decide in yourself that this world does not offer what I need today. This world cannot solve the problem that I have in my heart today. This world cannot fix the issue that I'm dealing with and that I'm struggling with. And yes, the world is going to offer everything to you. But ask people beside you. I'm sure some in this room could testify that the world let you down before that the world said this will fix it and what the world did was chew you up and spit you out and not care one thing about you after that but they offered a solution didn't they it'll fix it it'll make you feel better it's going to be what you need and you tried it and it wasn't anything that you needed you see they came to the realization that with the issue that I have the world cannot offer they also came to this conclusion Jesus was able listen nobody Nobody falls down at the feet of Jesus and begs Him to come to their house and ask Him to come heal their daughter without the confidence that He's able to do that. Look at how He says this. When He does, when in Mark chapter number 5, when, Je when He approaches Jesus, He says this in verse number 23, that she may be healed, and look at this, not that she might live, not that hopefully she will live, but she shall live. You see, he approached her with faith. He, or G, he approached Jesus with full confidence. Hey, the reason he went is he realized, I can't do anything, but I believe with all of my heart that Jesus is able to do something. We read about that woman with the issue of blood. The Bible says that she believed if she could just touch his clothes, I mean, that, that if she could just lay hands on the clothes that he was wearing, that she would be able to be healed in that moment. Friend, that's faith, all right? That, that's total confidence in the ability and in the authority of Jesus Christ over everything in this world. She said, listen, I don't have to touch his feet and I don't have to make some great prayer if I can just get close enough to touch the garments that he was wearing. But can I say what healed her was not his garments, but it was her faith in his power and His ability and what we're lacking today is not the clothes of Jesus but it's faith in Jesus that He can do those things just like He did for her. We must take our issues to Jesus with total faith and confidence that He's able. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we'd ever ask or think. Friend, He wasn't able. It's not that He was. It's not that He will be. But He is today, He's able. He's always been and He always will be. They went to Jesus with their issues because they believed He was able. But number three, they had also heard what Jesus had done. Listen, they heard about the healings. They heard about the leper that got cleansed. 
They, they, heard, they heard about the blind that could see. They, they heard about the deaf that could hear and the mute that could talk and the lame that could walk. And I mean, news was spreading that Jesus was in town and that Jesus was healing people and that Jesus was performing these miracles and that Jesus was doing supernatural things. And they believed that if He could do it for them, then He can do it for us. And they heard that. Can I say this morning in my lifetime? For in my lifetime, for whatever that's worth, it seems there has never been a time, whether right or wrong, you can come to your own conclusion, but there has never been a time where the Lord has been talked about in a way like He's been talked about today. Sometimes in a negative light, sometimes in a positive light. People are talking about revival. People are talking about worship. People are talking about Jesus. People are talking about strongholds. People are talking about all these other things that are going on. And I don't know everything that's happening, but I know in my lifetime, it seems that I don't remember a time where it has been talked about as much. Can I say what we ought to be doing while we hear it, while we're hearing the Lord talk about, or we're hearing people talk about all that the Lord is doing? They say, Lord, do it in my life, all right? Lord, do it. I don't know what you're doing everywhere else, but I want you to do it right here, God. I want you to do something in my heart like you've done in other people's heart. I'm not asking in a selfish way. I'm not asking because I'm envious, but Lord, I just, if I'm going to live, I want you to be in my life, all right? If I'm going to live, I want your power to be in my life. I think about Elijah. What, what, what Elijah want? What, when, when Elijah was about to go up and be with the Lord, what was it that Elijah wanted? He wanted a double portion, didn't he? He said, boy, you, I saw what you did in Elijah. I want you to do double in my life. Not so I can get more credit than he did. But God, if you could do that there, I want you to do it here. Hey, they heard about what Jesus had done in other places. And they said, Lord, we believe you're able to do that here today as well. God's people ought to be looking around saying, I want God to move in my life like God's moving other places. I want God to stir me up like God's stirring in other places. I want revival. I want commitment. I want repentance. I want all those same things just like He's given to other people. They heard about it. And they had total faith and confidence that Jesus was able to do that in their life as well. And here's the last thing and I'll close. The reason that they brought their issue to Jesus, very simple, because Jesus was available. And Jesus was there. And they heard that Jesus was in that area. So you know what they did? They took their problems to Jesus. Can I tell you this morning, Jesus is just as much available today as He was in Mark chapter number 5. He, was, he is just as accessible today as He was then. He is not some far off, distant God that we know nothing about, that we don't really have a relationship with. But He came into my heart. He came into my heart and He lives within and he, uh, the Spirit sealed me unto the day of redemption and I have a personal relationship and I have access to the grace of God and I have access to the throne of grace. Friend, if you don't take your issues to Jesus this morning, it is not because He wasn't available, it is because you chose not to do that when He passed by. And He said, here I am. And you can bring them to me. Friend, I don't know what your issues are. I don't know what you're going through. All of the things that may be in life. Here's all I'm here to tell you. Is whatever it is, there is no issue that is too great for Jesus to do something with. I don't know what He'll do. I don't know how He'll handle it. But I know this. There's nothing too big for Him. There's nothing too great for Him. There, there's no relationships. There's no sin. There's no struggles. There's no bad habits. There's no backslidden Christian here that's too far gone. For Jesus to do something like, listen, the Lord does supernatural things, alright? He does not work within the box that I've created. He works beyond that in our lives, but we must invite Him and say, Lord, here's my issue. Here's what I have going on. And Lord, I'm going to lay it. Here's the best thing you can do with your issue. I'm going to lay it at your feet, and I'm going to leave it there. The Bible says, casting all of your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Not some of your care, not some of your anxieties, not some of your burdens, but every single one of them that you have, all of them, 
Give them to Jesus. Big or small, give them to Jesus. Let Him have your issues and let Him get glory out of that situation. I want to ask you to stand with me. Let's pray. Lord, we're thankful for this day and all the blessings of life that You've given to us. Lord, we come here in Your house this morning as a group full of people that have issues. Lord, we have struggles. We have problems. We have all sorts of things going on in our life. But Father, I just want to praise You before we sing, Lord, because I know that You can take care of every single one of them. Father, I don't know all the issues that are in this room, and I know there are some people here, Lord, that will do their best to get through this invitation without dealing with their issues, Lord, and, and will try to ignore them. But I just pray, Lord, on, on behalf of everybody here, including myself, Lord, that you would help us to fall at your, your feet, Lord, fall on our face and give you every issue, every struggle, every burden that we have. And let you do with it, Lord, what we can't and what nobody else can do for us. Father, we love you. We thank you most of all. We thank you for Jesus, the pardon of sin, Lord, the forgiveness of sin that we have in him. And it's in his name that I pray. Amen. As we sing.